Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. You are listening to Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm so glad that you joined me today. I'm always glad. I say that every day because I really, I really am. I really am glad that you are listening and, and joining in. And so remember, the point of this show is always to help us be a person that reflects Christ, that points the world, any people that we interact with, to Jesus. So we really want to be attractors and not detractors of Christianity. We want to be different in a really good way. So think about it. We want to change the world one person at a time. And so we've been talking this entire week about being an in, a, a person of influence. And how do you influence? You know, and, and we have a tendency to think that only certain people are influencers. But you have to understand that you influence whoever you are around. And so we're really wanting to be the person that influences people in a positive way. And we're talking about men of influence today. We did women of influence. Now we're going to talk about men of influence. And I want to remind you of the first person, the greatest comeback of all times. And that was in Sports Illustrated. The magazine was covering the Baseball World Series in which Arizona Diamondbacks recovered from a really big slump to defeat New York. And so they did the top 10 comebacks of all time. And this is what's so amazing. Jesus Christ was listed as the number one comeback of all time. I, I, I mean, I love this. The, the editors of, of Sports Illustrated magazine, this is November 12, 2001, the issue for the greatest comeback of all time. Jesus Christ is the greatest comeback. He stuns Romans, defies critics by his resurrection from the grave. I'm amazed that Sports Illustrated listed that. And so we really want to think about influence. How do you influence people? And as a man, you have Jesus Christ as your really amazing hero, your role model to be the greatest comeback of all time. So we always want to be coming back because we're never going to be perfect. And so whatever defeats we have, personal, business, relational, whatever it is, we want to come back. And we want to be always coming back. So let's look at some great men in the Bible. We're going to look at seven of them. And these men abound throughout the pages. And the Bible has so many stories of military heroes, prophets, preachers, kings, who followed God and has given us good examples to follow. There are some minor characters, as well mentioned in the Bible, who are great role models. But the, these are the ones that I want to really focus on. And so don't forget, they are human. Now, how would you feel 
if there was a book written about you. I, I tell clients, I tell my friends, I'm so glad there's not a book of Cynthia. Because, or I hope that I'm dead before there's a book of Cynthia. Because, you know, we look at these prophets, these preachers, these, you know, kings, these heroines, and they have lots and lots of mistakes in their life. But they moved mountains. Anytime I have a man in my office, I remind them, God has made you to be, in many ways, an immovable object. That's what men do. Because think about this. God did not send a woman to do a man's job. He didn't send a woman to die on the cross. He sent a man to die for the world. So men have a great legacy. Now women have an amazing influence on men like we talked about. They can either really influence you positively or influence you negatively. But you are meant to change the world. You are meant to take things over. You are meant to construct things or destruct things. So let's look at the life of Moses. Now, Moses' life, we remember all kinds of events showing that he's a godly man. And others' stories about Moses show that he was a man who struggled with failure in a lot of areas. And so even though he sometimes failed, Moses was a man consistently in tune with God's plan. He loved the people of Israel, the people of Israel who God had called him to lead. And as a child, he grew up in the Egyptian Pharaoh's house, even though he was born in a Jewish family. But he learned from the best Egyptian teachers and scholars. He probably did not learn much about the God of Israel through his tutors, but he was sensitive to God's leading. So this is really important that we realize that we come to God in a lot of different ways. And so Moses claimed to not be a great speaker, but he was able to lead the Israelites for 40 years out of Egypt and to the edge of the promised land. And Moses disappointed God. He really did with some of his actions, but he repented. He repented of his lack of trust and was used by God to accomplish his purposes. Think about this. Moses really tried to do the right thing, but he did it his own way. And he killed one of the Egyptians. Then he had to flee out into the desert. And so he ran out to the desert. He was there for, for, for years and years, decades, really. And when God shows up in a burning bush, I, I, I mean, sometimes I'm astounded, he starts to argue with God. He argued with God. And it took that long. He had to be out in the desert, a sheep herder, before God could really get to him. And he actually argued with a burning bush when he said, I'm not your man. I'm not your guy. I can't do that. And so even though he had doubt, he said, okay, I'll do it. And he's one of the most amazing characters we have in the Bible. But we see his weakness, we see his doubt, we see his insecurities, and we see what God had to do to get him prepared to lead the Israelites. So let's look at, let's look at Joshua. 
When Moses led Israel out of the Egypt, out of Egypt, one of the one of those young men who quickly rose to the recognition was Joshua. And he was chosen as one of the 12 spies to enter the land that God had promised Israel. Though the the vast majority of the spies had returned with a discouraging report of the land, really discouraged about what God had said they were, he was going to give them. Joshua and Caleb reported all the wonderful things that God could provide in Canaan. So Joshua had a completely different mindset when he looked at what God had led him into. And so the people of Israel, they refused to enter the land that God had given. And patiently, patiently, Joshua trusted God. So this is for you men. You want to remind yourselves that you may feel called to do something. You may feel like you can achieve something. You may feel like you're led to something. But God may be asking you for patience. And so Joshua patiently trusted God. He recognized the authority of Moses and his position of leadership that God had given him. And so Joshua never tried to usurp the authority of Moses. He waited until his time to lead Israel into the promised land because Joshua was an obedient follower. He was also known as a strong leader of Israel as he conquered the land that God had given him. But let's think about the trait that Joshua had. And that was patience. He had patience and he also respected his leader, who was Moses. And that's a huge deal because Moses faltered many times. But Joshua patiently waited for God to open the door, for him to walk into it, for him to be able to do the calling that God had on his life. So how about this? Let's look at King David. I mean, he really is one of the greatest comebacks because he really, really messed up with Bathsheba. So let's look at the story of David and Bathsheba. And this is 2 Samuel chapter 11. And it says, In the spring at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out to the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites. They besieged Rabbah, and David remained in Jerusalem. So one evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, well, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And David sent the messengers to get her. And she came to him, and he slept with her. See, she was purifying herself. And so then she went back home, and the woman conceived and sent a word to David saying, I am pregnant. So David sent his word to Joab. He said, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent him to David. When Uriah came, David asked him how Joab was, how the soldiers were, and how the war was going. David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace, and a gift from the king was sent after him. But Uriah slept at the entrance of the palace with all the master servants 
and did not go down to the house. This is a really amazing character that Uriah had. Even though he was given permission to go and be with his wife, he said, no, none of the men that I lead are able to do that, so I'm going to sleep on the doorstep. And David was told that Uriah didn't go home, so he asked Uriah, haven't you just come from a military campaign? Why didn't you go home? And Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents, and my commander Joab and my lord's men are camped in the open country. How could I go to my house and eat and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. And so David said to him, stay one more day, and tomorrow I'll send you back. So Uriah remained in Ju Jerusalem one more day, and as David's invitation he ate and drank with him, and David made him, made him drunk. And in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his mat with his master's servants, and he didn't go home. And in the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent, him, sent it to Uriah. And, he, and in it, he wrote, Put Uriah out in front where the fighting is the fiercest, and then withdraw him so he will be struck down and dead. So we have Uriah, who has com amazing character, and we have King David, who really loved God, but has kind of lost the program. And so Joab had the city under siege, and he put Uriah in the place where he knew the strongest defenders were. And when the men in the city came out and, and really fought against Joab, some of the men in David's army fell and Uriah the Hittite died. So this is a really important thing. It said when he finished giving the king this account of the battle, the king's anger may flare up and he may ask you, why did you get so close to the city to fight? Didn't you know they would shoot arrows from the wall? And this is really important because then the messenger set out and when he arrived he told David everything Joab had said to him and the messenger said to David the men overpowered us came out against us in the open we drove them back then the archers shot arrows at the servants from the wall some of the king's men died moreover your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead and David told the messenger say to Joab uh, don't let this upset you the sword devours one as well as another. Press the attack against the city and destroy it. And say that to encourage Joab. This is a lot of manipulation. And when Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. And after her time of mourning, David brought her to his house. And she became his wife and bore a son. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. That child died within seven days. It's amazing that people have to die sometimes in order for us to really live, for us to get our act together and to really live. And so David had to die with that child, and he did, and he came back, and he became a great king again. But this really displeased 
the Lord. And so this is a great example for men when it comes to the influence that women have on you. King David, wow, he committed adultery. He killed his friend. And then he had a child that was illegitimate because it wasn't really his wife. And that child died. And this is really important for men to recognize that when you look at women, when you see women, and you desire a woman, and when you feel those feelings, you really have to say to yourself, wow, I, I, I better go to God about this. I don't, I, I don't want my story to be like King David. And so this is important because multiple times in the Bible, David is recognized as a man really who followed God and was sensitive to the leadership of God in his life. And when we first learned about David, that he would become God, I mean, he would become, I'm sorry, he would become when God rejected Saul's reign because Saul was, God was taking Saul out of the reign. And he said that he would give the kingdom to a neighbor of Saul. Who was a better man? Think about that statement. God rejected Saul's reign and said he would give the kingdom to a neighbor of Saul's who was a better man. And God knew that David would be a better man. So even when David was 8 to 12 years old and God knew his entire life, he knew what he would do with Bathsheba. He still said, this is a better man. So even though God knew the mistakes and the sins David would do, he still caused him to be king. And this is what God says about you. He knows your life. He knows you're going to fall. He knows you're going to sin. He knows you're going you're to miss the mark. But David came back. You need to come back. You need to be a good man. A good man that repents. A good man that says, okay, I missed the mark. I got off track and I need to come back. And just because I missed the mark, just because I lost track of things, that doesn't mean that the call on your life has been revoked. It means you just need to come back and get on track. <laughs> and so David wrote so many Psalms that we treasure. And this is not because David never had problems. King David wrote many of those precious poems in the midst of trouble. And David knew that his strength came from God. And we enjoy his writings today because he was a man that knew how to lean on the Lord during times of adversity. And when he wrote in the Psalms about trusting the Lord, it's very applicable to us today. So let's look at Job. Now, this is an amazing story because Satan was talking with God one day. And he said that no one completely obeyed God and worshipped him. And God said he knew a man who was just and upright in his life. And that man was Job. And so God gave Satan rule over Job's circumstances. Caused him to lose all his wealth. And Job still would not speak evil against God. He even acknowledged that God was the one who was testing him, and he 
would continue to worship the Lord. So I'm saying to you men today, will you be this man? Or will you support a man that's going through this? Will you be one of his friends that supports him for one week and then says, hey, you must be the one that's causing this? What's, what's going on in your life? Because you must be at fault. Instead of saying, you know what? I can't judge this friend of mine that's going through this adversity. Who knows what God is doing? It doesn't mean that we don't hold people accountable, but Job had no evidence of sin in his life. And his friends still, after seven days, they were good friends. They sat with him silently for seven days, comforting him. And then because the adversity didn't end, they started to logic and reason their way through why Job was going through this. And so Job's friends accused him of sin, said he was being punished by God for his secret sins. Job maintained his innocence. Even his wife told him, you should curse God and die. But Job patiently waited on God to reveal himself and publicly justified Job to the world. So are you experiencing extreme hardship? Is your business failing? Are your children failing? Are you losing your, your marriage or your relationship? In that, are you willing to trust God through the process? And if it's not something you're doing, are you willing to trust that God is going to bring you out, bring you through, and bless you for it? So whatever trial, whatever hardship, absolutely examine your life. But are you willing to trust God that this is what God does? He works through mortal men, mortal men, men that fail. And so you may have failed. You may fail 10 years from now. You may have failed 10 years ago. But are you willing to trust God in the process that God can still use you? God still wants you. God still has a calling on your life. And he is going to justify you. Because he loves his children. He loves his people. He loves his sinners. And he loves you. And so I want you to be really encouraged today to know that if you're failing, you can come back. It doesn't mean that your destiny is destroyed. Look at King David. God didn't remove him from being the king, but David had to repent. And look at Job. Job knew he wasn't doing anything wrong. He trusted God in the hardship, and he became a great hero. So you can be a hero. You can come back. You can do the right thing. So I'm so thankful for men. They're amazing. And we're going we're gonna to end uh, this week with being a person of influence. And so we're going to talk about Daniel tomorrow. So join me again. And I'm so thankful that you're listening. And thank you so much always for your feedback. Make sure you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And you can listen to all the shows in its entirety. And be encouraged today. 
Be a person of influence. Aspire to be the person that people want to be, not the person they don't want to be. So God bless you. Have a great day, and we'll talk tomorrow. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.